There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Bible's up. Let's go. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest. And that settles it in Jesus' name. Amen. So God, I've obeyed what you said that we needed to rebuke. Now, Father, we ask you for results. And we ask you that results will manifest quickly on campus and online. Holy Ghost, take over right now. Speak how you want to speak. Move how you want to move. Do what you want to do, God. We tell you two things and two things only. We are open and we are ready. Tell him 1115, say, I am open and I am ready. In Jesus' name, let's go to work. So this series this month is called Daddy Issues. Say Daddy Issues. And this series is not just for those with contentious or non-existent paternal relationships. I showed you that even with kings David and Solomon, who both had their biological fathers in their life, they still had daddy issues. David's father's name was Jesse, and uh, Solomon's father was David, yet they still have daddy issues. In fact, this series is to reveal, then heal the issues that have embedded themselves in your individuality. I want you to pay attention to this phrase, because your issues are not you. You are not your issues. There may be things that have embedded themselves in your personality and in your individuality, but just like he's the potter and we're the clay, there's some things during this series God says, I want to get them out of you because they're not going to go with you into the second half. If you know that you're going to be better in your second half, which is why your second half is going to be better, somebody just shout better right there. This series is to reveal because you cannot heal what you do not first have a revelation of. So it's to reveal then heal issues that have embedded themselves in your individuality. And we all have known or hidden daddy issues because of how we were shaped. And shaped is this old English word which appears in the King James translation of the scripture. Who remembers the old school King James translation of the scripture? The old, the old school Bible. That, that Bible that you put on the coffee table. That The V's and the thou's and all of that, all right? Now, now pay attention. The scripture says shapen. Say shapen. 
shaping is different than shaped. And here's the distinction. To shape something, that can happen in an instant. You've heard the term shape shifter. You can change at an instant. Uh, uh, one act of trauma can shape you. One negative situation can shape you. One thing that goes wrong can shape you. One thing that goes right can shape you. One person that walks into your life that can shape you. One person that walks out of your life that can shape you. These things can shape you. But the word used in the Bible isn't shaped. It's shape end. And to shape in means this is a process that has happened over time. You and I did not become who we are because of one thing. We became who we are because of several things that have shaped us and made us into who we are over time. So David in Psalm 51 and 5, he says this, after he has done something ratchet, after he has done something ridiculous, after he has done something that required mindless behavior, he literally makes this statement. He says, behold, I was shaping. What does that mean? Over time. And how was I shaping in iniquity? Look at me. His natural father was there, but he at least admitted that there were still some things in him that he knew were not right. Is there anybody that's in the building or online where you can be honest that there are some things in you that you know need to change? Where are the honest people? Uh-uh. I need some honest people in the building online that can be honest that I do not have it all together. I am not perfect, and I got some areas that I know about. And my commitment to myself is that in the month of June, I'm going to change so that my next six are going to change. And if I'm better, that means my life is going to be better. David says, I was shaping over time in iniquity. So what happened in Psalm 51.5? Well, David, it was springtime. And he was supposed to be out at battle like all kings were during springtime. David decided he was not going to fight. Be careful whenever you're not in place and not in position. Why? Because you're going to create problems. To every person that thinks it's cute to be inconsistent and thinks it's cute to be unreliable and thinks it's cute not to do what you say you're going to do and thinks it's cute not to be faithful, can I tell you? You're going to get yourself caught up into some circumstances and some situations that you are going to regret later. For every person that can say this, I have not been perfect, but what I have been is faithful. Can I get you to worship God for three seconds right there? Ain't been perfect, but I've been faithful. Why? I stayed in my position. And even when the enemy tried to get me off of my square, I stayed on my square because that's where my protection is. That's where he keeps me. See, people talk about you for being faithful, but that's why you have what they don't. People talk about you for being consistent, but that's why you got peace of mind and they don't. People talk about you for putting God first, but that's why they keep coming up last and you keep coming up on top. David was supposed to be out fighting, but he was not. Instead, David stayed home. And when David stayed home, he observes a woman bathing named Bathsheba. Bathsheba was just doing what she was supposed to do, which was take a bath. Why do we take baths? Because we need to. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't. Oh, God. Come on, Denver. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you you smell all right. If you ain't washed your body, yaddy, yaddy, I need you to walk up in there and wash it off. Listen, David 
was supposed to be at, at battle. He was not at battle. He sees Bathsheba bathing. Bathsheba was doing what all women did during that day. She wasn't trying to be seductive. She wasn't laying her arms out here so he could see her. He didn't even know that he could see her, which means pay attention. Sometimes there are people plotting against you. This is why you need to pray for discernment so that you can see what they're plotting because you're so far removed from their plots that you don't even have the concept that they're plotting against. I pray God would reveal every plot. That people are trying to work against you. Well, you're not even thinking like that. You're not even acting like that. You, that's not even on your mind. I pray God would reveal the plot, and then I pray that God would destroy the plot. Come on. For those of you that know God's about to shut some stuff down, that people were trying to plot against you on your job, in your family. It, even some Christian people trying to plot stuff against you. I pray it be shut down. Say, shut it down, Lord. No weapon formed against you is going to be able to prosper. You, you can form that thing, but it's not going to work. You can talk about me, but it's not going to work. You can lie, but it's not going to work. You can try to block me, try to stop me, but it's not going to work. I wish you look at somebody and say, it's not going to work. Uh-uh. So David begins to plot. David's plotting. And David is scheming. So he looks at Bathsheba. He calls Bathsheba up and he says, I want you, Bathsheba. Bathsheba says to him, hey, listen, you know, I am married to one of your top military personnel, uh, Uriah. And Uriah is not just one of your top military personnel. Uriah loves you. But David, watch me because he's out of place. He has, watch me, he has a desire for something that he never would have been able to reach for had he been in place. You never know you're delivered from something until you can be tested by something. I'm going to back that thing up and say it again. Here's how you know how much you mature. That you can be tested with the same thing, but handle it a different way. Come on, y'all. How many of you can look at areas of your life where you're like, had this been a year ago, I probably would have responded like that. But watch my progress. It's been later, and I have grown, and I'm better, and I'm wiser, and I'm stronger. And I'm not even tempted by what I used to be tempted with. I'm not even thirsting after what I used to be thirsty for. I don't even desire what I used to desire. So what happens? David sleeps with Bathsheba. He sleeps with Bathsheba. The first child passes away. The second child is Solomon. And the prophet Nathan comes to David in Psalm 51 and says, God loves you, but because of what you've done, there is a price that must be paid. Because you would not listen, you have to lose. I need you to hear me, Lempity. Every time we choose not to listen, it creates the loss of something. And I pray in the second half of this year, you have no unnecessary loss. I pray that your listening game this second half will be on point. That when he moves, you move just like that. And when he says jump, your response is how high and for how long? And until you answer, I'm just going to jump, 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 jump. If he says slide to the left, watch me slide to the left. He says slide to the right, watch me slide to the right. So in Psalm 51, this is David's response. David weeps, David mourns. It's like, God, please, 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 please. It's like the original James Brown. You know, he's begging. He's, please, please, he's begging. And he's begging. And God is like, I'm not having that. Because there's some lessons you won't learn until you experience loss. How many of us can be honest at the 1115? There's some things that when we lost something, it taught us something. We're like, I ain't doing that no more. I ain't dating that no more. I ain't going over that no more. 
I'm not doing that anymore. And this is what happens. And so David says, listen, even though my father was in my life, he says, there were things that shaped me. And these things that shaped me, they ended up being iniquitous. What is iniquity? Well, there's three types of sin in the Bible. The first is the word sin, which means to miss the mark. This is a mistake, which means I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't intend to do that. That is sin. The second type of sin is transgression. This is to willfully deviate. Pay attention. There's a difference between a mistake and a decision. Sin is a mistake. Transgression is a decision. See, let's be honest. All of us have done both of those. There are some things we were like, I didn't know this was going to go like that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to say that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. And then there's some things where we knew good and doggone well that we should not have done it, and we did it anyhow. Here's what I love about God, and his blood still covered you. Oh, my God. Come on, somebody say, and his blood still covered me. But this is the type of sin, the third one, that David said that he was shaped in. He was shaped in iniquity. What is iniquity? It is sin and it is transgression that is perpetuated being passed down and around. So it's to perpetuate sin and transgression, which means you made the same mistakes of others. It means you made the same transgression of others. And here's what I need you to hear. Do not repeat what you were created to be. Oh, we're about to work this thing today. You're about to work this thing today. Look at somebody else who said, and you are curse breaker. You're not going to repeat the, the mess of the bloodline before you. You're not going to be like those before you. You're about to be the first one in your bloodline that's going to be curse free. I wish I had some faith people at the 1115 in the building and online. Come on, make this declaration. Say, I will not repeat what I was created to be. So look at Proverbs 10 and 29. Proverbs means wisdom. So watch what it says. Destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. That's deep. As he said, if you work iniquity, what is that? It's to perpetuate sin and transgression, doing what? Passing it down and around. Which means this is bigger than your bloodline. Because some things you picked up from who you hung out with. Some things you picked up from who the friend group you wanted to be around. And because you desired to be accepted so much, you ended up assimilating to them instead of making them assimilate to you. So you brought yourself down when you should have made them come up. I pray you never, ever come down, but you stay up. And anybody coming in your circle is going to have to come up to where you are. Open your mouth, please. Say, I'm not coming down. What does the Bible say? Destruction shall be on the workers of iniquity, which means it doesn't matter what you build. It doesn't matter what you do. Destruction is going to come. So I know this was heavy. I know you spent years doing it. But what the Bible says, it says destruction is coming, which means no matter what you build, it's going to fall. It don't matter how hard you work, it's going to fall. No matter how much money you spent, it won't work. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. It will not work. See, a curse by definition means it's an empowerment to fail, which means it doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you worship, how much you do any of those things, until you break the curse, it's empowered to fail. And this is why I keep having you say that you're the curse breaker because there's some failure that's been on your bloodline that's not going to be on your life. There's some failure that's been in the people around you that's not going to be on you. And you may be saying, Bishop, well, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, I'm in the 60s, 70s, and I, it's too late. It is not too late for you. I rebuke you thinking it's too late for you. What if your ladder was going to be greater than your... 
Somebody say, it's not too late for me. It's not too late for me. I don't care if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s. Your baby, it's not too late for you. Why, Bishop? You still got a pulse. What does that mean? God still has a plan. So this verse, Proverbs, introduces this principle because it says, destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. So now you get this phrase called a generational curse. What is that? It is a destructive pattern of behavior. Because what does the Bible say? If you practice and work iniquity, it's going to create what? Destruction. So now you have what's called a generational curse, which is a destructive pattern of behavior that's passed down and around. Down and around. Down and around. I need you to catch it. Because some of you keep saying, well, Bishop, uh, I, I, don't really, I don't really see it. I don't really see it. It's like the telephone game. Y'all remember playing telephone in school? It starts out with one person, and they'll say, you know, pizza for lunch today. By the time it gets back around to the end, they're talking about a lion is sitting on the black table <laughs> next to a Budweiser. How is Bishop going to use that for his prop today? Like, that is not what we said. See, there's certain things that when it was given to you, watch me, it was distorted. That when it was passed to you, it was distorted. So a generational curse is a destructive pattern of behavior. It doesn't work, but it's passed down and it is passed around. And I've taught you this in this series, that we've all been shapened uh, by what we've seen. There's certain things we've seen that have impacted how we are. How many can be honest that there's things you, you saw growing up that impacted how you act? And you know it. You saw them clean a certain way, so you clean that same way. You saw them pull that stove out and clean behind that stove. And so now, every time you clean your house, everybody else says, just wipe it off. You're like, no, nah, I need to pull it out. You saw certain patterns of behavior that ended up shaping how you are. But here's what I want to focus on today, because you're also shaping by what you've not seen, but has been spiritually passed down and around. This means this thing is spiritual. In my book, Sins of the Fathers, the opening uh, part of the book is literally about a man that never met his natural father, yet he became just like him. Pay attention. He didn't have to meet him in order to be beaten by the spirit that was in him. And all of us have been shaped by what we've seen and by what we have not seen. But it's been passed down spiritually and it's passed around. This is why, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it two or three more times during this message. It is so important you're careful of who you're around. Because while you think you may be the one influencing them, they may have passed something off to you. And because it's spiritual, you'll never know it until you see it manifest in your life. You got to be careful. Why? And here's what you need to check their words. Because the Bible says in John 6, 63, that the words we speak are spirit. Which means if the enemy is about to pass something to you, it's going to start with their words. Which is why you got to be careful. Everybody shouldn't be able to just call you and run their mouth. Oh, my God. Everybody shouldn't just be able to talk trash to you and gossip about other people. Why? Because you might be trying to transmit something to me. I pray you don't have an STD, a spiritually transmitted disease that you didn't picked up from somebody else. But guess what? If you did, I got the shot for you today. Would you elbow somebody next to you and say, but there's a healing in the room. Now, uh -uh, I don't like the way you said that. Elbow somebody else. Say, say there's a healing in the room. Now, I got that shot for you today. 
Come on, say it. Eleven fifteen. Say, and I am the curse breaker. So let's look at this. Look at this. Numbers fourteen and eighteen. It says the Lord is slow to anger. That means he's patient. Now, I don't know about you. Every time I read that, that excites me because that means God says I, I have chosen to wait on you, with you, and for you. Patience isn't just waiting. Patience is how you act while you wait. So God says, I'm waiting on you, with you, and for you, and I'm choosing not to have an attitude even though you're taking too long. <laughs> Fellas, how many of us have ever gone to the mall? You went with your wife, your girlfriend, your mama, and then whatever, and, and they are in there with no agenda. <laughs> Fellas, please talk to me. They just in there with no agenda. Fellas, we go to the mall, we have a plan. Even if the plan is to just walk around, we know where we're walking to. Come on here. I'm walking to that store and that store and that store. Now, I'm not going over there. I don't even need to go past the food court because what I need is not over the food over there. Neiman's is over here. Apple is over here. GNC's right there. That's all I need, right? You go in there. You go in there. And, and ladies, y'all know how y'all do. That's why they put those seats outside the dressing room <laughs> for all the men to sit down and wait on you to go try on 18 dresses to not get one of them. <laughs> Come on, ladies. Why y'all going to do me like that? Well, now, I know some of you ladies, you don't do 18. You do four. Okay. All right. All right. You're invisible. Pay attention. Pay attention. See, here's patience. Here's what God does. God says, I could have an attitude with you. <laughs> If she don't come out this dressing room, they're taking too long. Oh, my God. And it must be. And then, fellas, once you run out of stuff to do on your phone, that's it. <laughs> she still ain't done? Here's what God says. While you taking your time changing. <laughs> Because what are you doing in the dressing room? Changing. God says, while you taking your time changing, he's sitting outside waiting on you. He ain't getting the attitude. He's not getting mad. He's not getting frustrated. He's saying, I've been waiting on you to change. Oh, my God. Is there anybody at this 1115 that can thank God that he is patient with you? Waiting on you to change. Waiting on you to get your attitude together. Waiting on you to decide to put God first. And while he's waiting, he doesn't throw you away. Then the Bible says not only is he patient, but then it says he has steadfast love. What is that? That means he's merciful. Mercy is when God blocks something negative that you do deserve. Grace is when God gives you something good you don't deserve. I said this at the 915. I like it. Mercy is like a good lineman in football, right? Which means uh, a good lineman will give the quarterback enough time to deliver the pass. A good lineman will give the running back enough clearance so they can get through the hole and run the ball. Pay attention. What God does is God says there's a whole lot of stuff that was coming at you that you never saw. See, before you complain about how bad something is, I want you to know it was supposed to be way worse. But mercy stepped in and started blocking. I, mercy blocked death. Mercy blocked loss. That car accident was supposed to be your end, but mercy, I need to check the room before I move on because I want to make sure you don't think you're here because of how good you've been. I want to make sure you don't think that you're still alive because of your education or your pedigree or your background. The only reason you're still here is because mercy blocked some stuff. I wish you would sit there. 
I wish you would sit at home and not give him glory. Can you worship God for five seconds for what he blocked? Five, four, three, two. Come on, 1115, say God blocked it. He blocked cancer from killing you. He blocked coronavirus from killing you. He blocked that relationship from wearing you out. He blocked death. And he keeps on giving us mercy. Mercy, mercy me. There's some stuff. There's some stuff. Come here. There's some stuff that because he's a good block, you was just walking. You didn't even know you was about to run into somebody blocked you. You didn't even know. You thought, watch me, you thought the delay was punishment. The delay was mercy. If you, I could throw this mic. You thought the delay was punishment. The delay was mercy because you were about to trip into the table. But then mercy, y'all not going to say nothing to me. Mercy has been rewriting the story of your life. The Bible says he's patient. And he's merciful, abounding in steadfast love. And he forgives iniquity and transgression. Watch this next part. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. This means prior generations, so paternal and maternal, onto the children to the third and fourth generation. Which means every person in here, you are not 28, 38, 22, 15, 19, 17, 75, 85, 89. No, you're not. You have hundreds of years of baggage that has a legal right to the third and fourth generation unless somebody is the interruption. Here's what this means. What started three to four generations ago, it's going to roll. It's going to roll. It's going to roll until somebody says, it ends with me. Until somebody says, this stops with me. Until somebody said, and here's the deal. You may think that, watch me, it doesn't affect you, but I want you to pay attention. Oh, it's following you. I want you to pay attention. It doesn't stop. I want you to pay attention that this thing is after you. There are some things that before you were born, they have been after you. After you to quit like your daddy did. After you to quit like your mama did. After you never to be what God created you to be like some of the people in your bloodline before you. Out to make you just like that group of friends you used to run with. I'm here to tell you the, the generational curses have been after you. But guess what else has been after you? Goodness and mercy have been following me all the days of my life. And I know I got some curses that have been after me, but I also got some favor that's been after me too. I say I'm the curse breaker. Bible says, the Bible says, when it says he by no means clears the guilty, God says, I forgive you. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily fix the problem though. At the 915, I said this. Um, anybody remember Harlem Nights, the movie Harlem Nights? Harlem Nights. Remember um, the pinky toe? Della Reese and, 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 and Eddie Murphy. All right, pay, pay attention. Here's the deal. If you were to accidentally shoot someone in the pinky toe, you could walk up to them and say, oh, my God, I shot you in your pinky toe. Please forgive me. And they can say, I, that doesn't remove the hole. Some of you all, watch me, you got to be careful because when you do people wrong, you ask for forgiveness and you think that fixes the breach. <laughs> forgiveness and fixing are two different things. 
See, once you ask for forgiveness, now you got to go fix the breach that you created. So what does the Bible say? God forgives, but he doesn't clear the guilty. What does this mean? Whatever he has started to roll, it's going to keep on rolling until there's an interruption. Now pay attention. It'll bounce around a little bit, and it'll even try to take you in circles. Until you decide this ends with me. I wonder if there's anybody at 1115 that can say, Anything that's been active in my bloodline, anything that's been passed down and around, it ends with me. And not just with me. You know what it ends? Today. God, I wish I had faith in here. Say, it ends with me, and it ends today. Now, why is this important that you make that declaration? Because many times we'll look at the cross and we'll look at what Jesus did on the cross. In Galatians 3.13, it says this. It says, Christ has purchased our freedom. Now, look at me. I can buy you something. Actually, let's make it more personal. Your neighbor can buy you something. All right? Just wink at him in case you're feeling generous. Your neighbor can buy you something. They can give you the receipt. See, somebody said, we have receipts. See, that's what the Bible is. It's your receipts. What are receipts? It's my verification of what's already transpired. I can buy something for you, and I can give you receipts. But guess what? It doesn't mean that you're ever going to go redeem what has been purchased for you. So look at Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation, which means, somebody say, I am redeemed. But I have to realize that. Say, I'm not condemned. But I got to realize that too. See, let me silence the enemy that's been telling you you a screw-up, you a mistake, you a failure, you're not going to make it, nothing good happens for you, you don't deserve nothing. I silence the voice of the enemy that's been in your ear trying to bring condemnation to you because when Jesus hung on that cross, baby, he paid for your stuff and he paid it in full. I need you to get an attitude and say, shut up, devil, tell him, don't. Uh-uh, I need you to get a whole attitude and a teaspoon of hood right there and just say, I silence the enemy. I... And let's replace it. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and never beneath. You're always overcoming, never being overcome. Look, look, he says, he bought it for you. Watch me, but you got to go redeem it. Who remembers Layaway? Who still got stuff on layaway from 89? Because you forgot. You forgot. You forgot. Why do we come to church every week? So you can be reminded of your receipts. Why do we make this a priority? So that some, it's not a reminder, but some be like, he bought that for me? Shoo. Yeah, that's waiting on me? That's what he's promised me? That's what he declared for me? Look what the Bible says. He became a curse for us. Shut up. Not literally, because y'all literally got silent right there. Like, it's a figure of speech. He became a curse. Look at me, 1115. He said, I became everything that the enemy wanted you to become on that cross 
so that you would have options. So that you could say, I'm not going to die like I'm not going to have a dysfunctional marriage like it. I, I'm not going to have a jacked up family like I, I'm not going to live from paycheck to pay. I, I am the curse breaker. I am the curse breaker. I am the curse breaker. See, his redemption is very different than your realization. The person next to you could write you a million dollar check. Wink at them again. Come on, if you're nice to them, you don't even know. They're a harvester, which means they're loaded. Y'all not saying that to me. But if you don't go cash that check, you're going to do what 99% of Christians do, is have lots available, but you never acquire. That will not be your story. That will not be your story. Mm-mm. I need you to make sure you sit next to some faith, a faith person. Listen, what do you mean when you say sit next to a faith person? A person that when they hear the word, it instantly quickens something on the inside of them. I said, that will not be your story. I... So how do you break generational curses? This is a how-to. This is a how-to. And I learned at that 915, we need the Holy Ghost to help us get through this next part. So watch me. Before we even open this thing up, I need you, only if you think you're the curse breaker. If you want to perpetuate the curse, don't worship. If, if you want to be like what you've seen and said you would never be, don't worship. If you want to stand before God and God say everything you were supposed to do, you didn't do. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. The Bible says, that when we stand before God for judgment, you ready? He says, many people are going to say, Lord, didn't I do this and this in your name? What does the Bible record? He says to them, depart from me, you workers of sin. Nope. Depart from me, you workers of transgression. Nope. Depart from me, you who refuse to break curses. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. So before we get to this next phase, because we need the Holy Ghost to help us here, only if you know you're the curse breaker. And when you stand before God, he's going to say, well done, my daughter. Well done, my son. Can I get you to worship for 10 seconds right there? Right there. Right there. Right there. Seven. Six. Come on, curse breakers. Five. Three, two, I need you to push right here. Say, I'm the curse breaker. Show you're right. Show you're right. Show you're right. If they want to meet somebody that breaks curses, they need to meet you. If they want to meet somebody that changes the game, they need to meet you. If they want to meet somebody that's not a repeat of what they were supposed to be, they need to meet you. Can I get you to shake two or three people's hands around you and just say it's good to meet another curse breaker? Good? Good? Online, you type that. Good to meet another. Good to meet another. Some of y'all didn't say, if you don't follow what I said and shake somebody's hand, you don't feel comfortable doing that elbow or fist bump them. Good to meet another. This is why God had to get you out of some old places. You needed to be around curse breakers. This is why God had to get you away from a preacher preaching a slave gospel. He needed you to get around some other curse. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. So to break a curse, you got to call it out. Because if you don't call it out, you will think it is part of your character instead of a curse. 
You cannot say things like this and be a curse breaker. That's just how I am. Got to scratch that. You can't say things like this. This is how the men are in my family. You can't say that. You can't just say this is, this is the way I was raised. You can't say that. You can't just say this is how the women are in my family. You cannot say that because what you're doing is you're giving something permission to remain in your character even though it's not part of your character because the issues that are embedded in your individuality aren't you. Pay attention. Uh, where's my clay? Here's the clay, all right? You see this piece of clay? Now the Bible says he's the potter, we are the now, if you look on the table, if you look on the table, if you look on the table, you will see, come up here, camera fan, camera lady, you will see that there's all these little, these little things right here. Y'all see them? You see them? Come on over here. Come on over. You see these little things? These little squigglies? These little, little y'all see it? It's right there. Now, if you can't see this, you need to go to America's Best afterwards. Matter of fact, ambassadors make appointments for the saints after church so they can stay here. Now, look, here's the deal. See, this is you. This, these rather, are issues. You are not your issues. Your issues are not you. I need you to stop saying, I just struggle with this. No, you don't. You don't struggle with anything because that's not part of you. Come on, somebody say, that's not my issue. Come here. Come here. So look, here's what happens. As you go through life, these things get embedded into you. And sometimes they've been there since you were seven, since you were two. And so now you'll begin to say, well, that's just how I am. It's not how you are. You have to decide to break that off of you. No matter how deep it feels like it's part of you, it's not. Y'all not saying nothing to me. That's why Jesus died, so that nothing would ever be able to have a hold of you. Would you please make this declaration and say, and I am the curse breaker. It is not part of your character. It, it is not just how you are. It is not just who you are. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. There's some things that are curses, and you'll never know they're curses unless they're called out. So the question becomes, well, Bishop, how in the world would I even know that something is a curse? Well, there's a book in the Bible dedicated to that. It is Deuteronomy 28. Now, pay attention. Can I preach to you 1115? When he lists out the curses, so you'd be able to identify them, pay attention to the chapter he embeds them in. Mm. He embeds them in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. Can I break it down to 1115? The word Deuteronomy means to say it a second time. You are in 2022, which is the biblical number of witness, which means this year you're going to witness something miraculous. Pay attention. God says, I'm placing this in a chapter so that you know I want you to see it so that you're able to kill that thing. But then, watch me. Two is the biblical number of witness. Eight is the biblical number of a new beginning. So when I call out these curses, I'm calling them out so that you can have a new beginning. I get my own self happy right there. I got my own self happy right there. I'm showing this to you so that you can have a new beginning. And I'm glad about it. <laughs> Look at somebody say, it's a new beginning coming for you. Yeah.
Here we go. Here we go. First thing, a victim mentality. Always placing yourself in the seat of a victim. That is a curse. You are not a victim. You are a victor. If every story, story you tell, it has you, the one being victim, so-and-so did me wrong, so-and-so did me wrong. So you sound like a country western song. I need you to get your achy, breaky heart together and realize you didn't broke some hearts too. Say, I'm not a victim. Constant lack. You were not created to live in lack. And hear me clearly, 1115. This is so much bigger than money. Don't ever reduce God to cash, cars, and clothes. Watch me, because I don't need you to lack peace. I don't need you to lack joy. You ready? I don't need you to lack being in your right mind because there's a whole lot of people that you can clearly tell are not in their right mind. Wait, wait a minute. We're not going to shout over a house, over a car. Is there anybody that's grateful you still in your right mind? I... Others didn't make it. Others didn't make it. But somebody say, I'm still in my right mind. Constant lack. Say, lack is whack. That's a curse. You're not supposed to live there. Repeated emotional breakdowns. You're always in the midst of a breakdown. If you're coming out of one, you're going into another. You're always crying over something, always upset about something, always tearing something up, always mad about somebody, always recovering from a breakup, always breaking up from a recovery. I said it. Watch me. You are not supposed to live in a place of emotional roller coasters and emotional breakdowns. You are supposed to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. You're supposed to be able to come what may, but I bet you I'm going to get up from it. You're supposed to be able to do uh, go through anything that comes your way. You're supposed to be able to look at it and handle it. And I love the Bible because the Bible talks about a man named Paul that they stoned to death. And because Paul refused to walk in a curse, but he knew it was a curse breaker. Do you know what he did after they killed him? He got back up. For every person that's been eulogized by other people and other people have ridden you off, can I tell you what you're about to do in these next six? You're about to get back up. I... They killed you with their words, but you're about to get back up. They tried to kill you with gossip, but you're about to get back up. They tried to scandalize your name, but you're about to get back up. Look at me. Look at me. Confusion over what should be simple. You're not supposed to live there. Bible says that he gives us wisdom. You're not supposed to have confusion over what is supposed to be simple. You're not supposed to sit up for hours and hours and hours. Confused about what's supposed to be simple. The Bible records in Deuteronomy 28 that that is literally a curse. I pray that you not sit in a state of confusion. I pray that you not sit in a state of where you do not know what to do when the answer is simple. I pray, hey, Shay, Dranta, Yoko, Yanda Baha'i. Come on, I feel like preaching that this is left I pray that in this second half that you have clarity. And not just clarity, because some of us know what to do. You just don't have the courage to do it. I pray you have clarity and that you have courage in these next six months. Please touch somebody's soul and say clarity and courage. I, I'll know what to do and I'll be bold enough to do it. I'll know where to go and I'll have the strength to walk. I'm going to walk it like I'm talking. I'm going to walk it like I'm talking. Chronic fear. Chronic fear is a curse. What is chronic fear? It makes you inactive. Chronic fear keeps you in a state of indecision. You won't decide anything. You're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. And the Bible says, God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but I don't get down with gray. Either you for me or you're not. Oh. 
Okay, I don't know who I need to say that for. I'm grateful God just revealed over the last week who wasn't with you. I'm grateful God just revealed over the last six months who wasn't with you. Why? You needed to know because God says you ain't going to have no lukewarm people around you. You're not going to have no lukewarm friendships. They're going to be hot. And I'm coming in hot. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Chronic fear. It makes you inactive. You won't do anything because you're scared of everything. But I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know what they're going to think. I, you know what gets me? It's how we be concerned about people who don't pay for stuff. Sometimes we're overly concerned about people who don't pay for nothing. I can tell you all the complainers in the church, the ones who don't do nothing. Say amen to that. Oh, you thought you had a punk for a shepherd? You ready? Someone says, not anymore. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> you ready? You ready? All the complainers in your life normally don't help you do it. They have an opinion for everything. And sometimes you have to be careful because that opinion is designed to inject fear. What if this happens? What if the, I rebuke a slave mentality that would try to keep you on the plantation? Instead of breaking free to buy that plant. I pray that you would break free. It's Juneteenth, y'all. I pray that you would break free. Somebody say, I will not live in chronic fear. 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 Because when it's chronic, it, it cripples. When something is chronic, it cripples you. If you have chronic arthritis, it cripples you. If you have chronic bronchitis, it cripples you. You're not able to move and flow like you normally would. Whenever something is chronic, hear me, it cripples you. The Bible says that's a curse. Look at this next one. Repeated sickness. What does that mean? It means that somehow, some way, every time you turn around, something is wrong. On Monday, you got a cold. On Wednesday, you got the flu. On Thursday, you got a heat wave. <laughs> On Friday, it's your sugar. <laughs> Only Southern people understand that saying. You ready? On Saturday, it's your skin. On Monday, you can't eat nothing. On Tuesday, you don't stop eating. It's repeated sickness. Make this declaration. Say, I will live, I will live. Healthy, healthy and heal. All the days of my life. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Say sickness has no right effective immediately. Uh-oh, I just heard God again. Go back to the doctor. Because when you go back this time, you're about to get a totally different report. While you're worshiping, God's about to turn reports while you're praising, God's about to heal. Okay, y'all looking at me like what I'm saying is French or Spanish. And the Lord was with the man of God and did not let one of his words fall to the ground. If you, if you know you need something to turn around in your body, can I get you to put a praise in the atmosphere right there and online? Turn that around. 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 Look at me. It has a right, it has a right 
for three to four generations unless there's an interruption. Unless something says, not anymore. You are the interruption. Let's go. Never succeeding at anything. Bible says this in Joshua 1. It says, meditate on the word that Moses taught you. It says, don't let this book of the law depart. And he says, if you do that, you will experience good success. Say good success. So for every person that says God doesn't want you to do well, I want to encourage you to go read. Because he didn't put you on the planet to just have failure after failure, loss after loss, drama after drama, messy situation after messy situation, ratchet relationship after ratchet relationship. God says, I put you on the planet. Come on, 1115, go with me. You weren't just born to pay bills and die. But you were born to enter, enter, and y'all got that thing. So, you ready? I rebuke the spirit of failure off of your bloodline. And I pray that wherever there has been failure as a cycle in your bloodline, that that thing end effective immediately with you. Look at this next one, life barrenness. That means, think of life barrenness like this. You ever went into, the, went into the kitchen to get something to eat to only discover that your cabinets were bare? And you were hungry too. Have you ever noticed that you, you don't have what you thought you needed when you're the hungriest? You want a peanut butter and jelly, ain't got no peanut butter. Okay, y'all not going to talk to me. You, you, you wanted some cereal. You poured the bowl too. And not just any bowl, you poured one of them cake mixing bowls. Come on, 1115, why y'all acting bougie like you only eat this? You know your cereal bowl is four times this size. You pour it, you ready too. Ooh, seems like you're ready. Listen, to only go open the Frigidaire. And if it is some left, it's a swallow. Now some of y'all, you're a little creative. Because you'll start mixing liquids. But it's is 2%, so if I put a cup of water, no, no, no. It's not the same. This is what life barrenness means. Life barrenness means every time you reach, it's not there. Every time you need, it's not there. Every time you seek, it's not there. Watch me. Say, I was not created. To live a barren life. You ready, 15? We almost done. Say, I was created to produce. Here's the next curse. Sexual and reproductive issues. Sexual and reproductive issues. That can be a curse. Chronic marriage and family problems. Whenever it's chronic, it what? Cripples. And some of you have seen this in your bloodline. You've seen this in people around you where they have chronic problems. I'm not talking about a disagreement over why there was no milk left for the cereal. I'm talking about Ike and Tina. Uh, don't look at me like that. 
I, I'm talking about just sleeping in separate beds. We didn't get married to not sleep together. Oh, come on in the room. Oh, God. Come on in the room. No, we ain't talking about Jesus being your doctor. We're talking about your spouse being your Stop. Look at me. 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 Some of you, you've seen marriages that are a mess. You have seen family situations that should be a two-part dateline special. I'm not just talking about fights over who's going to sit at the head of the table this Thanksgiving. I'm talking about what if, listen to me, this isn't for everybody, but I'll know based on your praise. What if you were supposed to be different than your family because somebody had to see what needed to be broken in your family? What if you are treated like the black sheep because you're the sheep that's supposed to change the rest of the sheep? Ask me, for every person that knows that you and your bloodline is a little different and sometimes things have been different in the past, can I get you to release the praise? Watch me, here's why. Because God wanted you to see what you were supposed to change. And I'm not mad and it's not a hard feeling. I just recognize I am the curse breaker. Last couple of ones, last few, last few. Financial insufficiency. You were not created to live from paycheck to paycheck. You were not created to just pay bills and die. You were not created to be worried about what's going on in the, the world's economy. Financial insufficiency is a curse. Bible says money answers all things. Now, that's interesting. So if money answers things, who in the world would not want God's people to be empowered financially? So for every person that says, I don't believe in all of that, just, just back up for a minute. Back up and sit down. Have several seats. What sense would it make for you to say, yo, God, my God, he's a good, good father, and you have financial insufficiency? He's a good, what father wants their child struggling? What father doesn't want their child to do better than them? Oh God, I heard this loud and clear 1115. I'm hearing so much prophetic to release at this 1115. See, you're about to build a dynasty. Your children and their children's children, your nieces, your nephews, they're not going to know debt. They're not going to know poverty. Why? Because you are about to kill financial insufficiency. If you think I'm talking to you, worship God for two seconds. Just go. Two. We got to go. One. It's about to be a new dynasty. Your children are going to be born into wealth. Your children are going to be born into debt freedom. Your children are going to inherit your business. Your children are going to inherit what you've built. Let's go. Let's go. It's about to be a new dynasty. When you exit the earth, your children will not have to worry about how to bury you. They will not worry about how to make sure you have a good service. Y'all not saying nothing. A good man leaves an inheritance. You're about to leave. You ready? And it's not just going to be when you die. You're about to release it while you're yet alive. I
You're going to give them more than debts and bills. Being accident prone can be a curse. You may say, I'm just clumsy. Yeah, it could be a curse. You ready? Let's go to these last ones. Let's go. Let's go. Here's the next one. Unnatural deaths. Bible says, literally, the way we're supposed to exit this earth is just close your eyes. And you know what the Bible calls death for Christians? Sleep. Which means you're about to just take a nap. Not you literally. I'm just saying. You're going to live a long, healthy, anointed, prosperous life. Matter of fact, as you age, you're going to look younger. Why? The Bible says he renews your youth like an eagle. What does the eagle do? Every time one feather falls out, a younger feather comes forth. I pray your next birthday, when you look at the picture side by side, you look better then than you. Come on, say he renews my youth. Come on, let me say he renews my youth. Unnatural deaths. Children marrying their destruction. Now, this one's deep because for many, um, how many parents you've ever seen your child date somebody that you were like, now don't worry if they're in church with you or they're online watching with you. We didn't say it was the current. Might be, but we didn't say that. You ready? Look at me, Lampedusa. The Bible says that one of the iniquitous generational curses that would be passed down is that your children would literally find and attach themselves to what's destructive for them. And here's the curse. You have to watch it. But you, you are the interruption to the dysfunction. You ready? Only for those of y'all that believe this Bible like I do. We cancel every destructive relationship. Okay. Every destructive relationship, every destructive friendship that is in the lives of not just natural children, but of our nieces, of our nephews, of any descendants after us. In the spirit, we cancel those destructive relationships and we pray that God would change the taste in their mouth, that they would reach for people that are good for them, that people that are drawn to them would add value to them. We cancel every negative relationship that's in their lives, and we pray that they would be drawn not to Delilah's that make them weak and poor, but they would be drawn to Samson that makes them strong. They would be drawn to those that improve them and increase them in Jesus' name. Somebody say, and it is so. Say it again, and it is so. Last couple of things. Some of you gonna get some calls this week. Their relationships ended quickly. Say, come here, son. Oh, it's going to be all right, but I took care of that at church. Come here, daughter. You're going to be all right, but I took care of that at church. I worked too hard for my bloodline to be jacked. Got to go. Got to go. Active and being taken advantage of. This means, this means that you don't just get okie doked You help people okie doke you. 
What does okie doke mean? Taken advantage of, played like a cheeseburger. When you a whole Big Mac. Two patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. Come on, give me the words, man. Give me the words. <laughs> Something on a sesame seed bun. And they're selling you like your buns have no seeds. Listen. You ready? Look at, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You become active in people taking advantage of you. You will give people the benefit of the doubt that don't add benefit. You will not trust what's in front of your face because a curse will tell you what you see is not real. You'll say, Lord, show me red flags. He'll be like, they have on a red hoodie. What does that mean? The whole person is a flag. And you'll sit there, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, just make it clear. He's like, And then here's what to do. Lord, just confirm. If it's you, Lord, flick the lights off. Lord, the lights ain't flicked. See, Lord, it ain't up. And then after you get what you pray for, after you get what you pray for, after you get what you pray for, you'll be like, okay, Lord, I saw that. Lord, if it's you, let the whole table move to the left. And nobody touched it to move it. See, God, it didn't move. See, it didn't move. Look at me. You will be active in being taken advantage of, which means you will literally help people do you wrong and wonder why they did you wrong. That's over. That's over. Here are the last two. Weak and passive men. And weak is different than meek. Hear me clearly, fellas. Weak is different than meek. The Bible says that Jesus was meek. That doesn't mean that he was weak. Sometimes we have this impression of Jesus, and I see it a lot of times in Christianity. I see preachers preach it, and, and it, just, it just aggravates. It just aggravates. It makes my neck pop, you know, because they'll preach it like Jesus was this weak, kind of just walking around, weirdo, just kind of, you know, just rocking back and forth. You know what I mean? Just, just kind of chilling out, hanging out, no job having, sitting around all day with, 11, with 12 friends. That's not Jesus. Jesus was meek, which means he was submissive, which means the strength of your manhood, fellas, is not seen in what you're over. It's seen in who you are, which means you know you're a strong man when you can say, I ain't got a problem submitting to another strong man. Fellas, that's why God's got you at harvest, because he couldn't have you under no... Iron sharpens iron. Aluminum ticks iron off. It is not God's will for men to be weak and passive. Because here's what happens if men are weak and passive. Then you get the last thing. Then you get overbearing women. And hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I want to be very clear. There's a difference between being an overbearing woman and a strong woman. See, Harvest, you ladies are strong ladies. What does that mean? Whatever we got to do, let's go. Whatever it takes, let's go. That's different than an overbearing woman because an overbearing woman, she doesn't build, she breaks. She doesn't build up, she breaks down. She doesn't try to make something better, she tries to tear it down. She doesn't try to improve things, she tries to tear it down. And you have to be careful because I see so much happening today that I'm like, oh my God. I remember one time sitting watching a woman talk to her husband. I was like, 
Better you than me, sir. And I told her, I said, you can talk to him like that, but you're not, for, uh, you, you, you're not over there. Oh, don't get quiet on me now, ladies. I mean, she handled him. I was like, all right. All right. And I said, what she doesn't understand is that while it may make her feel good in front of her friends, the Bible says a wise woman builds. I pray that every woman connected to harvest that you're a builder. I pray every man connected to harvest that we're builders. We don't break down, we build up. We don't tear down, we lift up. We don't try to demoralize and demean. No, we add value to. Would you encourage the person next to you? We're almost done at 11.15 and just tell them you're a builder, you're a builder, you're a builder. It's not cool to talk crazy to your spouse. It's not cool to talk crazy to your mama them. It's not cool to talk crazy to your father. It's not cool to talk crazy to your pastor. I promise you, I ain't the one. Elbow somebody next to you and say, we're builders around here. I... We're builders, Facebook. We're builders, YouTube. So here it is. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. That list is not exhausted. But if you go through Deuteronomy 28, it's exhausted. There's literally like 15 blessings. And then like, like the blessings go from like verse 1, I think around verse 15, somewhere around there. The whole rest of the chapter, somebody tell me how many verses are in that chapter. The whole rest of the chapter is curses, which means it's easier to be cursed than it is to be blessed. But you go, 68. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a whole lot of cussing. Curses, cussing. That's a whole lot. But pay attention. Say, but I am the curse breaker. Here's your how-to, and we got to get out of here at 1115. Number one, you're gonna, I told you you're going to have to call it out. That's the first thing you got to do. How many of you be honest that when you just saw some things, just from that little bit I called out, you were like, wow, I saw something I hadn't seen. I saw something I didn't know about. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Here's the first step. You just completed the first step. You called it out. Here's the second step. You got to confess it. So now that I've seen it, now I got to gotta confess the thing. What does that mean? It means that I'm not ashamed of the fact that there was some stuff that I needed to call out. Never let the enemy condemn you so that you won't call out your own crap. Somebody say, call it out. Then confess it. These are my confessions. You're going to have to confess. Luke 20, Leviticus 26, 39. It says, you shall rot away in your enemies' lands because of their iniquity and also because of the iniquity of their fathers. They shall rot away like them. Let me, let me rebuke this off of you. You are not going to rot, nor lose, nor die like anyone else in your bloodline. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Come on, please say this, Olympian. Say, it ends with me. Verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity. And look at the second part. Here's the key. God says, it's not enough for you just to confess your stuff. It's not enough for you to just say, I did this. You're going to have to look at they stuff. This is why every wise parent, you will pull in your children. I don't care if they're grown. You will pull them in and say, let me tell you why I messed up, son. Let me tell you why I messed up, daughter. Why? Because I want you to know where I messed up. I want you to know where I failed because you are not going to fail like me. You are... 
I wish there were some parents in here that wanted to see your kids surpass you, that wanted to see your kids not struggle with the same mess you saw. I wish I had some parents in here that said, my seed is going to be better than me. Tell them where you messed up. Tell them where you messed up. Tell them where you messed up. Tell them how you didn't do it right. Tell them how you made bad relationships. Tell them how you made bad business decisions. Tell them what scares you. Tell them what has you fearful. Tell them where you shouldn't have did certain things. Tell them where you were dead wrong. Because when you tell them, watch me, you give them the ability to confess. Verse 41, if their uncircumcised heart is humble and they make amends. We're almost done. Only one more. Check this out. God says this is going to require humility to be a curse breaker. Because you're going to have to look at you. At that 915, that's why I knew at this 1115 we had to go through them, those curses different. I said, Holy Ghost, I need you to take us through there. Because at that 915, everybody went into a therapeutic session. <laughs> the whole auditorium got quiet. Chat got quiet. People were like. So I knew at this 1115, I said, oh, no, Holy Ghost, ride us on through here. It's kind of like rolling through a rough neighborhood. You roll fast. Let's roll through here. Let them windows up. We don't need to see nothing. Let's go. You ready? Here's the deal. This requires humility because you're going to have to apologize to God for some things, to yourself for some things, to others for some things. When you really decide to be a curse breaker, there are things you used to feel real strong about that you're going to be like, no, nah, that was wrong. That was wrong. I never should have done that. I never should have said that. I never should have acted that way. Forgive me. Say, Lord, give me the humility to change. That's the third one. You got to change. You got to change. And God says, if you change, look at verse 42. I'll remember my covenant. I'll remember my covenant. I'll remember my covenant. What does that mean? God says, when you make the decision to change, all of a sudden, things in your life are going to change. Pay attention. For some of you, like, God, why haven't you done this? It's because you haven't decided to change. Job says this, and you shall decide a thing, and it shall be established for you. God says, until you make the decision to change, I'm not changing anything. Say, Lord, I decide. Right here, right now, to change. This brings us to the very final way. I gave you four easy steps, four easy payments of 1999. But wait! Y'all better act like you be up at 2 o'clock in the morning watching those infomercials. Here's my frustration. This has nothing to do with the message, but here's my frustration. Let me tell you my frustration. Here's my frustration, Aaron. Here's my frustration. Is that there's no more good infomercials. Ron Popeil don't make no more. That one with Emerald, it's just the time it is off. His mouth don't match his words. They ain't got the audio synced with the, with the video. There's just no more good. But who remembers the good infomercials, the lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine? Come on. Who, rem who, who remembers the Ron Popeil pasta maker? Where have y'all been your whole life? Thank you. Who remembers the Ron Popeil food dehydrator? Now what we got? Vacuums? A shark? Back to our regularly scheduled message. And you have to choose. Say choose. 
Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Deuteronomy means say it again. Today, Juneteenth, Father's Day, Bar Mitzvah, Kwanzaa, listen. Today, somebody say today. God says, I set before you, which means I've already paid for this. So now what are you going to do? What you, what what you going to do? Because I've already bought this. And there's a whole life in this next six months that's waiting on this choice. I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. And you know what I love about God is he gives open book tests. He doesn't, um, his, his tests are actually really, really easy. Because it's, a, say, an open book test. He tells an answer. He says, therefore, say your name. He says, this is what you should choose. Choose life. Which means, which means you're not going to do everything perfectly, Facebook. You're not going to do everything perfectly in the app or YouTube. It just means that I made my choice. And my choice is. I'm the curse breaker. My choice is I choose life. My choice is if I fall, I'm getting back up. 11.15, we're done. There's no more notes to read. There's nothing else to preach. The only thing left, and I want to make this so solemn and so serious, I don't even want music to push you to do anything. You ready? With your praise, you'll make your choice. If, 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 you, if you are okay remaining and staying in the curses of your bloodline, I want you to sit there and I want you to do nothing. And I want you to remember 12 months from now when you look at your life and you're saying, I have not made any progress, I want you to remember God gave you a choice today. That's option one. Option two is your praise. We'll let everybody in your section know, everybody in your row know, let your city know. Let your bloodline know. I made my choice, and my choice is to be the curse breaker. On three, make your choice. One, two, three, go. What's your choice? Come on in the building and online. What's your choice? 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 Somebody say, I'm the curse breaker. That's my choice. <laughs> say, I'm the line crosser. That's my choice. I'm the boundary breaker. That's my choice. I'm the blessed one. That's my choice. <laughs> I'm the interruption. That's my choice. And these next six months, Say, I'll break every curse. I'll break every curse. I'll break every curse. Say, my circle is about to change so that I'm not surrounded by people drinking the same curses I was drinking. Say, my circle is about to change to have other curse breakers around me. In Jesus' name, in love 15, we're going home. But if I was you, I wouldn't wait until December 31st. I would praise him now. 
I would praise him, curse breakers. Can I just get you? We're about to go. But can I just get you to go fist bump two or three people and say, let's do this thing. Let's do it. 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 Curse breaker. Curse breaker. Curse breaker. Curse breaker. I hope they don't recognize you in 30 days. I hope they don't recognize you by the end of June. I hope they tell you you've been acting funny. So have. I'm the curse breaker. I hope they tell you you think you all that. I sure do. I'm the curse. We got to go. We got to go. In this building and no line. Say it again. Say, I'm the curse breaker. In this building and no line, if you need to become a Christian, recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure. Wherever you're at, on the count of three, I'm going to simply ask you to slip your hand up if you're in this building online. I'm going to ask you to do the hand wave emoji or say it's me. You have a curse breaker, but before you break the curses, you need to be introduced to the Christ that gave you the ability to break them. You need to be introduced to the God that loves you unconditionally. Mr. Foreman, I made mistakes. Guess what? There's no place too low for the blood of Jesus cannot flow. You need to become a Christian. Recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure. In the building, hands up on three. Online, do the hand of emoji or say it to me. One, don't miss your moment. Don't let fear keep you from raising your hand. I need you to maximize this moment. One, two, three. If that's you in this building, hands up. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Come on, church. I need us to celebrate these hands in this building. Let's celebrate these hands that are online. Do that hand with emoji and say, it's me. It's me. Everybody pray this to me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to be a faithful Christian. If I fall, I'm getting back up. If I make a mistake, I won't stay in that mistake. I'm the curse breaker. These next six months, I speak, I'll break every single generational curse that's been over my life. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted yourself to the Lord, scan the QR code. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.